I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today I got somebody here to talk about my most favorite city in the world. Y'all aren't going to be able to guess what it is, but that's what we're going to talk about. Mr. Quentin Messer Jr. He's the president and CEO of the New Orleans Business Alliance. So Quentin, welcome to our show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chad. Yes, sir. So, Quentin, talk about some of the good things going on in New Orleans. I know COVID has obviously thrown us far loop, although I will say tourists are starting to come back. Town was kind of busy this past weekend, so that's coming back. But talk about all the stuff going on kind of before the COVID hit us and then what we're going to do after that gets over to get over it. Because there was a whole lot of momentum here with software jobs and all kind of cultural stuff that was really going on. No, Chad, you're absolutely right. So I would group the momentum that we had in New Orleans prior to COVID, really in three buckets. I think one, we were a city that was finally retaining a lot of the young people who come to school here, who come to college. So young people who go to Xavier, Dillard, Tulane, Loyola, University of New Orleans, University of Holy Cross, Southern New Orleans. Previously, these young people would come to school and then they would leave. But now these young people are staying and they are joining incredibly promising companies. They're starting their own companies. They're contributing to existing companies. So I think we are retaining the talent that comes every year. And I think we had taken our higher ed sector for granted. So I think that's the momentum is that we're retaining the talent and really leveraging the higher ed sector. So that's one. Point two, I was saying you alluded to it in your intro was that there was a lot of software development. We are still a city that's built on really five traditional legacy sectors, tourism, hospitality, oil and gas, agribusiness, maritime, and professional services. And what you saw was we're beginning to really see a burgeoning tech sector that's really beginning to fall out. And you've got, you know, the fact that TurboSquid sold to Shutterfly for over $50 million. I think it was close to $75 million. And And now their senior leadership is a part of 
certify senior leadership. You had Lucid go out and raise, you know, close to $100 million a couple of years ago. And I could call the role for great companies that are growing. And not only just in the software development, but in the bio-innovation and digital health sector. So you have companies like Axosim and Obatala Sciences and others that are really growing and are beginning to accelerate the diversification. And then I think the final point is really something that I think people can't really appreciate about New Orleans until you get here, is that there's such an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Years ago, I had the occasion to have dinner with Tim Williamson, who was one of the co-founders of High Deal Village. And he says, one of the things that they were able to do, and there are others in the space, Camelback Ventures and Propeller and 4.0 Schools and the New Orleans Innovation Center, we've got an incredible universe of entrepreneurial support organizations. We now almost have a fifth season, entrepreneurial season, with the New Orleans Entrepreneurial Week, NOE. And so I think those three things, one, really an underrated higher ed sector, two, aggressive diversification that's building off our legacy business base, and three, that we've really created an entrepreneurial sensibility and as well as a support network to allow people to realize their entrepreneurial aspirations right here in New Orleans. Well, and we are a product of the Exocet. So I want to talk about two things there. So I live right downtown in the condo building in downtown New Orleans. And many of the people in my building did exactly what you said. They came here and went to school at Tulane or Xavier somewhere at UNO. And they liked it here. And they decided this is where they would. I'm telling you, I'm in a building full of people just exactly like that. So, but what's interesting is you all at NOLA BA and the other economic development entities in the city and in the state and in the region had a whole strategy. That didn't just luck around and happen. I mean, y'all had a strategy behind that after Katrina. And second thing on the ecosystem, you're exactly right. So when we started Next Move Group, myself and a co-founder, he's in St. Louis. And I'm from Mississippi, but I always loved New Orleans. I didn't know one soul here, but I said, I want to go to New Orleans. Great airport. People always coming here and the airport's gotten even better since we've been here. And we went to the NOE, the New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. So for economic developers listening, if you ever think that these entrepreneurial programs you put on may not work, it worked for us. (laughs) Because when we went there, we had two employees and maybe 400,000 in revenue, something like that. And while we were there, it was fast sessions, like 30 minutes. And man, this one would talk about online marketing and this one something else. And we just got so many ideas. And then we got picked for the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program that I know y'all helped sponsor and participate in. And that really taught us to scale our business. And now we're sitting here multi-million dollars in revenue, six employees, paying taxes to the city. So it all ends up working out in the long run. But a lot of economic developers talk about entrepreneurism, but what I want to say is Quentin really gets into this thread. This has worked. I'm living proof of it. This has worked in New Orleans. So Quentin, talk about, not necessarily how it's working now, but years ago, it had to be hard work setting all that. When you sit down and say, let's build a small business ecosystem. I mean, where do you even start? What led to this? What was the hard work behind it? Now, it's a great question. And obviously there were a lot of people before me. So, you know, New Orleans, historically, has been a city of small and medium-sized businesses, a lot of privately held, family-owned businesses. So that was part of the ethos. So I think that's one. And so you built upon that ethos. And years ago, Tim Williamson and others sort of came up with the ideal village, where they really felt like there was an opportunity to capture a lot of the creativity 
you know, there's culture, there's food, you know, innovation just kind of oozes out of New Orleans, right? Ideas just come, your brain is just popping continuously with ideas. But what I think Tim and others, and this is probably going back shortly after Katrina, maybe 06, 07, began to realize you needed to be intentional and have a framework. So where could a chancellor go to sort of vet and sort of build upon this idea? Hey, I'm from Mississippi. I really want to live in New Orleans. I got this idea how to build a really successful business that's multi-pronged, focuses on economic development. But where do I begin? How do I think about a, a business development pipeline? What do I think about financing? You know, how do I maintain client relationships while I'm trying to get new ones? And, you know, how do I think about building out? And one of the challenges that every business thinks about is not every client is a profitable client. And sometimes in the beginning, you just want a client. You're right you know, about that. You take out some bad ones. <laughs> right. But part of the ecosystem is to help you understand profitable revenue growth. And I think you need entrepreneurial support organizations as well as successful entrepreneurs. One thing about New Orleans is because people love it, you have a lot of people who have second and third homes in New Orleans who are willing to be very generous with their time, their experience, their expertise. We have a vibrant angel capital community. We're trying to build and continue to build out our venture capital and private equity communities. But I think all that happened, but it didn't, to your point, it wasn't an overnight. New Orleans is, you know, 303 years old. And I would say since its beginning, it's always been kind of entrepreneurial. But I really think post the tragedy of Katrina, people said, hey, let's build back better. Now, we haven't totally solved it. We have disparities in sort of entrepreneurial access for women and BIPOC populations and things of that nature. But I think there's an intentionality to really build out the entrepreneurial support organization. And the last point is, I think economic developers who papoo entrepreneurial support organizations are making a terrible mistake because the era of being able to go big game hunting, yeah, some of that will still exist. But the reason why Austin, I would argue, is so hot right now is because back in the late 80s, Dell went public. And that changed the sensibility. It created over 2,000 millionaires. So it began to create a whole vibrancy of, okay, I'm going to become a serial entrepreneur. No, I'm going to become a venture capitalist. No, I'm going to retire and become a philanthropist. But they all began to solve challenges that improved Austin now to the point where you've got people fighting over themselves to move to Austin. And I think the future is bright to create that type of demand here in New Orleans. I totally agree. And there's a lot of talent here. I mean, as I think about the staff members we've hired, several have been from New Orleans with ties. We had an internet problem last week with our membership site, and we found the perfect person right here in New Orleans just to outsource that work to. So it's all here. So it's been very good for us. Let's put it that way. So talk about the New Orleans Business Alliance and some of the things y'all are doing, especially around equity and all the things y'all are doing in terms of also this COVID recovery. Now, thank you so much. So the New Orleans Business Alliance is the accredited economic development organization for the city of New Orleans. We are a public-private partnership. So we are a public-private partnership between the city of New Orleans and the local business community. We have four predominant funding sources, the city of New Orleans, a local and regional private business investment, national philanthropic investment, and then finally, federal grants we are beginning to more aggressively seek. 
And our real focus is really, I would say, over the last two years, and I think our COVID response spoke to this, was to really reimagine economic development and make sure that we began to think about the unit of analysis as being the individual, the individual New Orleans resident. Now, obviously, you have to create a successful environment for the job creators, because if you don't have job creators, employees are not going to have anywhere to work. You're not going to have places for job candidates who've retrained and reskilled to go. But you always have to think about if economic development matters at all, it's because people matter. And so I think that was something we really began to reimagine in 2019. And with that, that caused us to say, hey, there are four real focus areas of getting the work to make sure that economic development reaches more New Orleans. You have to focus on industry attraction and retention, particularly the retention part, small business growth. You have to really think about talent solutions for companies. How can you know Next Move Group find the talent that it needs locally so that those dollars can be recycled locally in the New Orleans economy? And then last, you really need to think about strategic neighborhood development, making sure that people have vibrant commercial corridors where they live, whether that's in neighborhoods like New Orleans East or Gentilly or Algiers or Girtown or Hollygrove. And so you have to do that. We had always begun to think about it, but I think it was really accelerated because of the tragedy of what happened, the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor was economic development for whom? Who is benefiting? And obviously, we began to really disaggregate the data by race and by gender. Because once you begin to do that, you begin to say, okay, if we solve the challenges facing Black, Indigenous, and people of color, you're going to make the economy better for everybody. Because those are typically the most intractable problems. And any economic developer knows you're only as good as the product you're selling. And the product you're marketing the product you're selling is a particular city. And for us, it's New Orleans is one of those fascinating places in the world and people love it. But what we began to realize is that people didn't always believe that they could grow and prosper there. And so we needed began to build a use case that yes, like Chad Chancellor is a proof point that you can grow and build a great business here in New Orleans. And it doesn't have to be a tourism and marketing business. It's a work in progress. We still need to make sure that more BIPOC entrepreneurs have opportunities and grow their businesses, but we need to make sure that more family-owned businesses that may be owned by white men or white women, for that matter, and been in families for generations, continue to grow. And if they want to have succession plans in place so those businesses can be retained in New Orleans, or if they decide to strategically exit and have a wealth-creating event, they can reinvest locally and have a rationale for doing so. So that's kind of, in a cosmic way, the things that we're focused on. And that's why in 2019, we've changed you know, our logo to have culture, equity, and prosperity, because that is really the unique secret sauce of New Orleans. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this.
I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what? sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database well lois does that for you looking back i should have put my bills and sites on lois it's also easy to use for an economic developer it's just like using facebook it walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth and the thing i like most it works well on my ipad if i'm in an industrial building i want to be able to look at that thing on my ipad lois does that for me other builders and sites databases struggle with that so if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success and you said a couple things there i want to drill down on one new orleans is really a lot of small neighborhoods it's a big city i mean certainly you know top 50 msa or whatever we are but, but really it's a lot of small neighborhoods put together you can feel a teetotal difference you know based on whatever neighborhood you're in and many many of them were really growing and coming back and I know y'all are doing a lot of work out in New Orleans East and other areas. I grew up in a little rural town in Mississippi. And so when I moved to New Orleans, people just said, oh, how are you going to fit into the big city? And when you get here, it's really a bunch of little towns all in one. It's just according to who you're going to see. <laughs> you know what that is. Yeah, absolutely right. And the other thing is I will tell you, New Orleans was very welcoming to me. When I told people I were moving here, they said, oh, you know, oh, New Orleans money. They ain't going to welcome you. You're not going to fit in. Totally wrong. The most welcoming. I've lived in like 10 different places in my life. Just the most welcoming place I ever came. So that's just all I think kind of in the DNA of New Orleans. What I found with New Orleans people, if, if you tell them, hey, I choose to live here. That's where I want to live. You know, they think, hey, if you like us that much, hey, we're all for you. So at least that's been my experience. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things about New Orleanians, they love hard. And to your point, you know, I'm a non-native and I chose to be in New Orleans. What I realized is that New Orleanians will go to the map for you if you're authentic. That's right. And the truest compliments if a New Orleanian tells you you're good people, that's the highest compliment because it means you're authentic, you're real. And I think, you know, obviously your success is because you're authentic. You're not trying to be anybody but Chad, the best that's Chad right. you can be. And I think New Orleanians are trying to be the best people. And I think it's that authenticity that leads to great resilience that's allowed a city that's seen it all. I mean, you know, probably beyond pestilence and fire. You know, those are probably the only two things that the city of New Orleans hasn't seen. And it's still here and it's thriving. Yeah. And talking about the neighborhoods, once in a while as I travel, you know, people say, where are you from? I say New Orleans. And Nine out of 10, I'll say, I love it. And then one, I go, oh, I hate New Orleans. And I'll always say, you probably just went to Bourbon Street, didn't you? Did you venture out uptown? Did you go out to Lakeview? Did you look around? And they'll always be like, no, I just went to Bourbon Street in the French Quarter. I'll be like, well, come back and look around. <laughs> You're going to have a little. And even I drove Bourbon Street once in a while. But I mean, you really hadn't seen New Orleans if you've only stayed at the After Crown Plaza and walked down Bourbon Street. You really need to get out and see it. So let's transition more to your story because I know uh, you're CECD certified. You speak at a lot of IADC events. So 
what really interested you in economic development and how'd you end up being the CEO of the New Orleans Business Alliance? Well, it's like Jerry Garcia, the Grateful Dead, said, it's been a long, strange trip. In undergrad, I was a urban development and urban education major. And I was incredibly passionate about that. You know, the two lovers were sort of economic opportunity and education in urban area. And after that, I did a lot of different things, but I've always been animated by doing well by doing good. And I kind of knew vaguely that economic development existed as a profession, but didn't know how to do it. I wanted to go make a lot of money. You know, you get caught up in things. And so fast forward a number of years, I had kind of gotten involved in K-12 education reform, had spent almost seven years actively involved in that, and wanted to reset because people had forgotten that I had gone to law school or business school, or and they thought I was an educator, which is not a bad thing. My parents are educators. I would say next to the clergy and doctors, educators are the core. We've got to figure out in the military how to treat educators better. That's a whole different podcast. But I wanted to be viewed as a business person who tried to solve thorny social problems using market-based approaches. So I had the good fortune of going to work as an experienced hire for the Boston Consulting Group in their Chicago office. And from there, I found an opportunity to join Louisiana Economic Development under then Secretary Stephen Moray and then Assistant Secretary Jason L. Kuby, who are now making my life difficult in Virginia. Shout out to them at the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. They're two of the best to do it. And they've got a bunch of other wonderful Louisianas up there with them. But once I got into it and started working at LED, I got hooked. I said, you know, I've been searching a lot for that intersection between purpose. As a Christian, I'm a big believer. And if you walk in your divine purpose, you know, you're going to have peace and peace ultimately begets success. But I also found something that was intellectually challenging. No day is ever like the next. And so I've had the good fortune of serving as assistant secretary under Stephen Moore when he was a secretary, and then Stephen Grissom when he took over. And then when the opportunity to lead economic development for the Business Alliance came up in spring of 2015, I jumped on it because I still think that New Orleans will always be kind of the flagship brand for Louisiana. That's not to say anything negative and I have great friends and peers and Lake Charles and Baton Rouge and Shreveport and Alexandria and, and Homa Thibodeau and Hammond and Monroe, but there is something, Natchitoches, but there's something about New Orleans that I think when New Orleans is blowing and going and doing well, that is a good sign for the entire state. So I'm almost six years in and I'm enjoying it and consider myself very blessed. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more.
So what gets you up excited in the morning? I mean, you've reached obviously high levels within the profession. So now you've probably done a little bit of all of it. So on those days that you don't want to get out of bed or you, you know, got a bad day, what still motivates you? What gets you going? That's a great question. I think there are three things. I think one, I'm operating in my purpose. So every day that I wake up is a blessing from God. So I owe him, not that I can ever repay God, and he's not even in that business, but I, I want to sort of give honor to him by trying to do my best in what he's purposed me to do. That's one. Two, I've got great colleagues. So I have a lot of fun working with the people with whom I work. It's hard work. It keeps me up at night. It keeps them up at night. But it is purposeful work with people who are interesting and fun and don't take themselves seriously and have a low ego. So having that spirit accord, that's been tougher because you're virtual. But when you like the people you work with, it doesn't feel like work. And then I think the third point is, if there's ever a city and a group of people who deserve the best economy, it's New Orleanians. Given everything that New Orleans has given to the world, it's given the world jazz and Creole and has dealt with the flood of 1927, it's dealt with the oil crashes, it's dealt with Katrina and Rita and Ike and it's dealt with Deepwater Horizon and now we're dealing with COVID. I know the world is dealing with COVID, but I really believe that COVID has affected the psychology of New Orleans more than most places because COVID attacks socialization. And you know this, Chad, no place knows how to socialize better than New Orleans. You're a thousand percent right. And we're very tactile and we want to love on you and buy a drink and share drinks and kiss and hug. And COVID took that. So, yes, there was an economic impact, but there was a psychological impact. We couldn't go to second lines and we couldn't pop in our favorite watering hole or go to the neighborhood restaurant and do those things that are the spice of life or go to Jazz Fest and French Quarter Fest. I mean, we have a festival season. And so when all that was taken from us, we really had to recalibrate. And I'm so proud of what the city has done. We've got a lot of work to do. We've got to rebuild. We've got to even diversify within tourism and hospitality. There's a lot for us to do. There's a lot of pain that's still out there. I think, you know, Drew Brees said it best before he retired, you know, there's no better place. You'd rather go to war with no better group of people than New Orleanians. Yeah. I hadn't thought about the whole how we like to get together and maybe this has hit us harder. But it's funny you say that because I saw my brother in late January, early February. He lives in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And he said, you don't seem yourself, Chad. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you just don't seem yourself. I didn't know anything was wrong. And I just got to talking to him. We're talking about stuff. And he said, I think you missed a socializer. He said, you need to make sure you get that shot and start getting back out and going. Into- I had one shot, but I've already still, I went to the ACC basketball tournament, wore my mask and all. And just getting out, I think did. Bring- I think he was right. So maybe I've lived here long enough that that does take something out of you. You know, yeah. missing Mardi Gras and missing the Saints football game and all of that. It definitely adds up. So what tips would you have? We have a lot of younger economic developers who listen, folks just getting in, project managers and so forth. And if one of them wants to be a Quentin Messer one day and run an EDO in a big city like a New Orleans, what tips would you give them that you've learned? I would say jokingly aim higher than being Quentin Messer be better. I think there are three things I would tell any young economic developer. I think one, become a certified economic developer. Really take your professional development seriously 
And the IEDC has been tremendous with that. So become a certified economic developer. It does matter. I think the second thing is connected to the first. Look for organizations or opportunities with economic development leaders who value professional development. That says a lot about a leader if he or she values professional development. So have that as one of your criterion when you evaluate opportunities. And I think the third thing is something that my mother-in-law, she's 85 years old. She'll be 86 in June. And she's smart as a tack. She's got all her faculties and she's moving around and she's vaccinated and she's ready to go. And she always says two things. One, don't make your move too soon. Meaning we all get frustrated. We all feel like there's something bigger and better and the grass is always greener and people don't realize how brilliant I am. And, you know, I need to be doing more strategic work, but don't make you move too soon because sometimes you're right where you need to be in order to get to where you want to be. And I think particularly for younger professionals, people need to be prepared for disappointment. You know, you may apply for a position. I've applied for positions that I didn't get and I was devastated. But the older I get, the more I realize that there's something better out there that, you know, I'm here for certain relationships. You know, we all have offers to go elsewhere. But had I left New Orleans, I wouldn't have met you, Chad. I wouldn't have been able to see and witness and be inspired by the growth of the next move group. You know, this is a humble brag about the business lines, but it's really more about two remarkable professionals. We've had two of the last five young economic developers of the year have been colleagues of mine at New Orleans Business Alliance. Alejandra Guzman, who's now at the LSU Health Foundation leading new ventures, and then Victoria Adam Fitz, who's now going to take her talents and do some other wonderful things in economic development. So I think that speaks to just the level of talent we've been blessed with. Yeah, well, you don't know B.B. King's my favorite artist. He sings Never Make a Move Too Soon. Your mother probably got it from him. So I listen yeah. to that one. Once in a while, I will get ahead of myself, and I'll listen to B.B. King, Never Make You Move Too Soon. So uh, the guitar on yeah. that's really good. So, yeah. Well, as we end, people are already asking me, Chad, when's are they going to have Jazz Fest? Are they going to have Mardi Gras? And so if everybody knows, we're going to have the next Move Group Mardi Gras event next year, so long as we have Mardi Gras. But – Quentin, I know you work closely with the mayor and the city. So it's my understanding Jazz Fest is going to be in October. Is that official or is that just rumors? It's official. That's what I thought. So so if you want to come to Jazz Fest, that's in October. Any other events that are kind of starting up as we all get our vaccinations? You know, I really think that what you're going to see is probably post-Labor Day. If everything goes well, we continue to, people get vaccinated. There's not the resistance to that. People continue to mass up symptoms check, wash your hands. We're going to have 70,000 of our closest friends losing their minds in the Superdome with the Saints. You'll begin to have concerts. In addition to Jazz Fest, you're going to have French Quarter Fest and Voodoo in the fall. So it's going to be an incredible fall for those tourism, hospitality businesses that can hold on. And shout out to that entire industry and all the business owners and the employees and everyone who've really, and all of those on the front line who've been tremendous. If we continue to do what we do, we can have a Mardi Gras next year. Now, obviously, I have learned and we've all learned curveballs can happen. But we look to be on pace to have an incredible Mardi Gras. And there's going to be a lot of built up, pent up demand. So New Orleans is open for business. 
We're open for your visitation, both business and leisure. And Chad, I, congratulations to you and the entire Next Move group team. And, and I'm so proud of what you're accomplishing and honored that you decided to do it in New Orleans. Thank you, Quinn. As we wind down, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Just because Drew retired, the Saints are still a threat. Who that? Who that? I agree. Thank you, Quentin. 